Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starlight Beacon Podcast, a Star Wars High Republic podcast. My name is Gary, and I am joined here by my friend, Brian. Say hello, Brian. Hi. And what we're going to be discussing today and over the next maybe forever, who knows how long, is the Star Wars High Republic. And the question that goes along with that, what scares the Jedi? But we'll get that back to that in a second. And we'll get to what the Star Wars High Republic is and then why that's different than what normal Star Wars um, media and canon and movies and TV shows are. But let's just tell you who we are and why you should be listening to us or why you are listening to us and who we're, you know, what we're going to be talking about, what our perspective on this whole thing is. So, um, Brian, I'll turn it over to you first. Why don't you introduce yourself and what's your background on, um, on Star with Star Wars? Sure. Okay. Well, uh, my name is Brian and I, uh, to be perfectly honest, I grew up with Star Wars kind of in the background. I had a cousin that was, you know, a huge fan, had every toy um, and that kind of stuff. My sisters loved it. I have two older sisters, um, especially my sister who's four and a half years older than me. Um, I wasn't super into it, enjoyed it. You know, it was fine. Um, but it wasn't until I had a, a, a kid, my son, and um, he kind of liked the Star Wars cartoon and the little Star Wars uh, Hot Wheels spaceships. And uh, being a huge nerd, I was just like so excited to push nerddom on my son in any way that I could. So I uh, started investing in every kind of toy, book, you know, show, anything I could do that get Star Wars in there to get to to nerd him up as it were. And uh, uh, funnily enough, he, it didn't take like he, it was a phase he was into it and then he wasn't into it anymore. But then I was hooked, deeply hooked. And for me, um, I mean, I always loved the movies, uh, but it was when I picked up my first book that I really was like, I'm a hundred percent into star Wars now. And the first book that I ever picked up was uh, Claudia Gray's lost stars, uh, picked it up at, at a target. Uh, started reading that book and man, it just blew me away. And for me, I'm a avid reader. I'm an English teacher. I'm, I just finished my degree to be a school librarian. So books are huge for me. Stories are huge for me. And I love when there's like an interconnected world where I never run out of stories related to characters I love, because when I love a character, I don't want to stop reading them. So from then, you know, Star Wars definitely does that. You, there is no end to the material that you can pick up for Star Wars. So um, Star Wars has now become uh, my biggest nerdy passion. Yeah, um, and that's what we're gonna talk a lot about is the interconnectivity of Star Wars, um, which is what kind of draws me to Star Wars. My background with Star Wars, my name is Gary, by the way, I think I said that, is uh, I saw the very first Star Wars um, on VHS in the early 90s, I was at a neighbor's Christmas party and I was bored to tears. I was like four or five years old and they had Star Wars on VHS and my mom's like, here, just watch this movie and we're going to go hang out with the neighbors. Um, so I watched A New Hope and some of the memories of that day are still with me. I remember a lot of sand and I specifically remember the scene of, of C-3PO and R2 kind of walking around Tatooine early on. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the movie. And I, you know, I said, mom, I, I wanna watch more of these. So the, after A New Hope, I saw Return of the Jedi. I'm going way out of order. And it was, <laughs> that was very, I guess would have been confusing if I had a full understanding of what I was watching, but um, saw Return of the Jedi and then I was hooked with everything Star Wars. And the early nineties was a really tough time to be a Star Wars fan. There wasn't a lot of focus on it there wasn't toys there was no movies obviously since uh return of the jedi had come out um there were comics and books but i was a little bit too young for that at the time and it wasn't until like 1995 1996 when um shadows of the empire came out and that was right around the, also the same time when the star wars power of the force line was relaunching with kenner um so that was the first kind of glimpse into star wars action figures i got i'll never forget going Kmart with my mom and getting um, a, a Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi and a Darth Vader action figure of the original Power in the Force line in 1995. And 
Um, Brian, I don't know if you know those action figures. They are like jacked. Luke Skywalker looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's like, oh, I'm so gigantic. He's got huge muscles. It's ridiculous. Um, but I was hooked after that. Pretty much, uh, you know, I, I watched the movies all the time. I got the awesome VHS box set that came out right before the prequels where it had like the George Lucas, Leonard Maltin interview where George was talking about the prequels. So I was right in that perfect wheelhouse of, I was like, what, 13, uh, 12, 13 when Phantom Menace came out. And I cried in the theater when I, I saw it opening night and I, I called my mom. I was like, oh, I'm about to see a Star Wars movie in the theater. And I, I cried and I still love that movie. And I, I love the prequels. And uh, I always stuck with Star Wars. I got really into reading the Star Wars books probably around that time as well. So I was reading Expanded Universe stuff, which um, just became very, very daunting because there's a lot of Expanded Universe novels. So I did drop off. I pick up one every now and then. Um, and then after like after high school, I kind of fell out of Star Wars just a little bit. I still loved it. Um, but uh, once the Clone Wars cartoon came on, I was way back into it and haven't haven't turned around since. Um, and then when Disney bought Star Wars, I was super stoked and jumped right back in it to the canon novels, starting with uh, the first one I read was Aftermath, which was the first canon novel released. And I've read every single one since, except there's one I haven't read. I have not read the Phasma book yet. That's it. Um, still on my shelf that I'm waiting to read. So that's that's my background with Star Wars. Um, and then my background with Brian is we both love Star Wars and we both love ska music. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you couldn't be more nerdy than, than two guys who love Star Wars books and ska music. So yeah, I, I first I, saw Brian when he did a review. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, uh, I, I want to interject real quick before you talk about our connection uh, with the ska music, if you don't mind, uh, just because you, you made me think of this. One of my favorite Star Wars memories relates to the prequels. Um, when the prequels came out, I was out of uh, – I went to Bible college straight after I graduated from high school. And then uh, my wife and I worked for this clinic and, uh, and we uh, closed the clinic down so we could all go see Phantom Menace in the theaters. And um, we went and my, I invited my best friend who was not a star Wars fan at all. And he was like, this one kind of looks good. I think I'll come. And uh, my best friend's a great guy, but he loves to like mess with people and get under their skin like he loves to, he loves to annoy people. And so I told him, don't be late. This is, you know, we got to get there way early. He showed up like five minutes before the movie. So we're like all the way over to one side, like barely got seats, you know, together or whatever. And every time Yoda came on the screen, he would be like, oh, stupid moron, talk like a human. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Like, why are you here? So, uh, yeah, anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to uh, get us off course there, but just reminded me of that story. No, that's that's a great story. Um, and it's, it's awesome that both of us have that, yeah, a lot of background in Star Wars, so I'm sure we'll share that. Um, but like I said, we both have uh, an interest in Ska. Uh, both wearing Ska slash Star Wars shirts today. Brian's has uh, Han and Leia dancing in the traditional uh, Walt, Walt, Bas Walt Tabasco uh, ska, ska dance. And I have uh, the band Matamoska, who's a great band out of California. And their shirt has, uh, has a Millennium Falcon with a fly swatter on it. So that's pretty cool. Um, so I first saw Brian when he was reviewing the Ska Box on his YouTube channel. Um, ska Box, just a real quick plug, free plug for our friends there. Um, put out a monthly subscription box for, for stuff in the Ska world. And I happened to play in a ska band. I, you're like, Gary, you couldn't get any nerdier, but I can, I can. I play saxophone in a band called the Backyard Superheroes. And we are our merchandise in the ska box and Brian reviewed it. It was shared somewhere and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And kind of dug deep into Brian's uh, YouTube show there. And I let him talk about that a little bit and saw that he liked ska and liked Star Wars books. And like, I, I got to become instantly friends with this person. Yeah. And I, I, I got a message from you that said, okay, you like ska and Star Wars. We're meant to be friends. So that was a, uh, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. For me, my, my, uh, my other, I guess, social media persona, it feels weird to say, you know, I've sort of built this brand, if you want to call it that is um, the Rudy librarian. So um, 
You can find me on a lot of social media as Rudy Librarian, which is R-U-D-I-E, Librarian. <coughs> so uh, essentially, um, the Rudy Librarian is something that I started sort of just because I wanted to share my love of books. I was in school to be a school librarian, and we had to record book talks, and I wanted to keep doing that. But really, it hit right at the time of COVID-19. And as a teacher, I had a lot of co coworkers who were asking me to send them more book talks so they could recommend books to their, their students. And so I started in March last year uh, recording a book talk for every single weekday. Uh, and uh, I took a break for Thanksgiving week and I took a two week break for the holidays. And so, but at this point, since March, I've recorded 260 book talks. Um, I will be slowing down just a little because um, one of the things I've not done that I want to do a little better is the channel is not just about books, although that's a big part of it, but it's also about music, obviously. So I want to talk about the punk and ska bands that I love. So I'm going to try and in integrate that and my love for vinyl music a little bit more. But that's that's what I'm doing over there. And you found me there and we struck up a, you know, a, a friendship through that. And it's been it's been great, man. Uh, it's nice to talk to someone about Star Wars who honestly knows a little bit more than me uh, about it, which is most of my friends are not not as into it. Um, so and then also someone that I can learn a lot about ska from, which uh, I love ska music and ska is really kind of having a great resurgence right now. So it's really exciting. Ska brings people together, but I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, we could do a whole Ska podcast too. Maybe we will one day. But as far as as far as Star Wars, all of my friends are huge Star Wars fans, um, but none of them are, are into reading the books. Um, I read all the canon books. I read every single comic book every month. I played every Star Wars video game that's ever been released. So I'm really into the different the different aspects. And as you said earlier, how the story kind of flows together. You could watch The Mandalorian and you could watch the movies and you get a really good picture of what Star Wars is. But I've, what I've always liked is that supplemental material. Like you said, I want more. You give it all to me. So the books feed into that, the comic books. And you, you might even see that and they do nods to that in, in The Mandalorian, which, you, you oh, that's a cool, you know, that's cool. It's a cool scene. But me as a nerd who's read every book, I'm like, I get that. I get that reference. I know who Cobb Vanth is because I read about him in Aftermath, which came out in 2015, right? And you could be like, oh, yeah, Cobb Vance, cool. But I'm like, I know, I know about Cobb Vance. Don't you worry. So that type of stuff. Um, and I felt like Rise of Skywalker, too, had so much, pull, was pulled so much from, like, the Aftermath trilogy and pulled so much from books and comic books. So to me, as a huge Star Wars fan, it's just so, it makes the movies and TV shows even more rewarding when you have some of that background knowledge. And I know people complain about that thing. You shouldn't have to read books to understand watching a movie. And I, I get that. And I don't think you do. I think you can still love and, and appreciate and, and get 99.9% .9 of everything you need from a movie or a TV show. But that like 0.1% that you might pull from a, from a book or a comic book, that's what I thrive on. That's what I'm like, yeah, I get that. I get that reference because I want to know everything. So, um, you know, we'll, over the course of the show, I'm sure we'll talk about TV shows and we'll talk about movies and stuff, but I really want to focus on, on kind of the publishing side of Star Wars and, and, and the books because Brian said he's a uh, he just became a librarian. I I read two or three books. Uh, I try to read like about two books a week. So I'm a huge reader myself. So um, really thought it'd be fun to talk about Star Wars literature. And with that happening, there's a huge publishing initiative that's coming out um, January 5th called the High Republic. Um, and I, I, this was the longest introduction, to get, by the way, to get to what our topic of conversation is, which is uh, we're going to be focusing strictly on the Star Wars High Republic kind of error. And that consists of, as of right now, a few novels, uh, a few comic books that we're going to talk about, and somewhere down the road, a TV show. Um, so we'll go through each of those. Um, but I'm going to talk real quick about what where the High Republic kind of came from. I had heard about it back when it was called Project Luminous. Brian, did you ever hear of Project Luminous? Yes. I did. Um, so Project Luminous was kind of a rumblings on the Star Wars internet back in like 2018, I believe. What Lucasfilm, or, or yeah, Lucasfilm wanted to do was put together um, kind of a new era of Star Wars and um, something that out, exists outside of like the Skywalker saga for the most part. 
Um, which by the way, as a side note, I think that's what Disney's plan has always been to do is distance themselves from the Skywalker saga. Um, but that's a story for another day. Um, so they got some of the best uh, writers in Star Wars fiction uh, together at, at uh, Skywalker Ranch, I believe, which by the way, that sounds just like the most fun time ever. And they gave them kind of a blank slate and said, what would you want to tell stories about? So over the course of a week, um, they threw around a lot of really cool ideas and came up with this concept of the High Republic. So we know pretty much everything that happens from the birth of Anakin Skywalker all the way through, um, you know, Rey uh, defeating Emperor Palpatine. And there's a lot of stuff to plug in there, but that's really where all of Star Wars canon, at least, has been focused. And by canon, I mean everything since Disney's taken over. Um, we don't know what happened a lot before that. You know, there's there's been stories told in expanded universe and video games about um, Old Republic and, and whatnot, but nothing canon-wise. So I think uh, this is a really exciting because now we're going to see the High Republic, which is defined right now as, um, I think it's 400 to 90 years before Phantom uh, Menace. It's right around that time, I believe those numbers, um, which is pretty exciting. So we're going to find out about, you know, what the, what the world, what the galaxy looked like before um, Anakin Skywalker was born and before kind of um, Emperor Palpatine came to power there. Um, I'll pause real quick. I, I have some more about uh, the actual like pitch of, of the High Republic, but Brian, anything you, you wanted to add on that? Um, no, not really. Not, not, not so far. I, I, other than just the enthusiasm for what we're going to be talking about, because the, uh, High Republic it sounds to me a lot like what I love most about Star Wars, which I'm looking forward to us kind of talking about what we're looking forward to in the High Republic, and um, and yeah, just uh, that the group of authors that they got to kind of come together to sort of start creating that that time period are unquestionably some of the best authors writing Star Wars stuff out there right now. Um, and so I'm just, I'm excited. Can't wait to talk about those authors and those works. Yeah. You, you mentioned Claudia Gray as, as when you read, um, Lost Stars and it's, it's without question, like every Star Wars group I'm in or any Star Wars book conversation, that's where we start. Lost Stars is a fantastic, fantastic book. It is a little YA, um, but I, uh, at least for this show, you and I both agree that YA is not something we're going to shy away from. I think Star Wars has done a great job with their YA books. Um, and some of the, I actually enjoyed some of their YA, which is young adult for anybody who's not familiar with that. Um, and children's books, more than I've enjoyed some of the novels, believe it or not. I think they do a really great job of, of inserting fun um, within the Star Wars universe there. Can I, and let me just say one thing real quick. I wanted to make sure that we kind of talked about in the publishing area of Star Wars, one of the things that Star Wars has really done well, so Disney and Lucasfilm, I mean, they are brilliant with their marketing and their planning. And one of the things that they've done from the beginning, which is so successful, is they said, okay, we're going to publish, but we're going to publish, you know, we've always published adult books. That's always happened. But now we're also going to make sure that we publish young adult books, which they do call young adult and they call YA um, and then we're also going to publish what they call young readers and junior readers and young readers is sort of like middle grade and junior readers. And I may, I may have this backwards, but one of them's middle grade and the other one's more like elementary. So um, do you, I'm not sure. Do you remember is the junior, the youngest or is the young, the youngest? I don't remember, um, but I've read all of them. I get every junior and young reader too myself. Yeah, so the, the, the plan there is, so the brilliance of that is if you're a completist, if you're someone that wants the entire canon story, you're gonna, you're gonna have to get over some of your own sort of reading, um, oh, I don't know what the word is here, prejudices, I guess is the word. Biases, yeah. yeah Biases biases, or prejudices. Yeah. Yeah. Because And like for me as a librarian, I'm like, a good book is a good book. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, C.S. Lewis said, uh, if you can't read children's literature as an adult, then the children's literature is not good. So um, that's a very terrible paraphrase, but that's basically what he said. Uh, so, um, so we're going to definitely be covering books that are geared towards adults and young adults and middle grade and elementary school. 
And I've been reading everything through the, the middle school. I haven't read any of the elementary school books, really. Um, but all of it has been phenomenal and really entertaining. Um, so I, I think that we'll all enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just some of the writers that have already been confirmed, like we said, Claudia Gray, who, who has written some fantastic stuff for the new Star Wars canon and also likes all my baby pictures on Instagram. So that makes me always pretty happy. Um, we have uh, Daniel Older. We have Kevin Scott. Charles Soulet. Um, I think there's a, probably a couple more that I forgot there, but um, really great authors that are involved with the project. Justina Ireland. Yes, Justina Ireland. Um, so really some really great authors there. So basically, anyway, telling this tale of High Republic, they decided, um, let's come up with this pitch of what, what the High Republic should be. Um, and they started with the question that I opened the show with is, what scares the Jedi? And what I found interesting about that is when... They were developing sequel trilogy with the, you know, the J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson, J.J. Abrams trilogy. J.J. Abrams, his pitch to, to Kathleen Kennedy and kind of the initial discussion was, who is Luke Skywalker? Basically, he, he took that concept and, and created the entire um, sequel trilogy based on that one sentence. So I thought it was interesting that when they were coming up with the High Republic, they came up with the question is, what scares the Jedi? And that's a really cool question because we we always have the thought of the Jedi are these great, great, I don't want to say great warriors because I don't like to associate Jedis with warriors, but they're um, protectors of peace and guardians of peace throughout and justice throughout the galaxy. They could be great warriors. They're, they're you know, extremely knowledgeable. Nothing should, should scare them necessarily. So the concept that something does scare them is really interesting. Um, so basically the, the, the lag, the kind of the pitch line for High Republic, I'll go through it. And it's from the, the great video that was announced, uh, I think it was January, January of 2019 of this year, they announced the High Republic. Um, I was really excited for it. It was about a year ago this time. Um, some of the books have been delayed, but announced the High Republic in general with this great four minute video showing the process and going through, um, the pitch line, which I, I have right here. And I'm going to do my best reading voice for over a thousand generations. The Jedi have been guardians of peace and justice. Now, hundreds of years before the Skywalker saga, the Galactic Republic is at its height, protected by the Jedi Knights, the guardians of peace and justice throughout the galaxy. But a frightening new adversary threatens. And just those couple sentences is basically the launching point for the High Republic. So just hearing that, Brian, what do, what do you think? What are your initial thoughts and reactions to that? Well, I, I got to say that for me, so one of the things that's so amazing about Star Wars, I think, is that there's kind of something for everybody, right? Like if you're really into like politics and, you know, political sort of scheming and, and all that kind of stuff, there's, there's <laughs> books for you, you know? Um, and if you're really into like star fighters and, and, you know, pilots and that kind of stuff, there's books for you. If you're really into war stories, there's books for you. If you're really into, you know, all these different things, um, there's, there's, there's a book for you or a movie for you or a TV show for you. For me, what has always appealed. So my son, like what, what draws him to star Wars and he's come back around. He really likes it now. Um, I do worry a little bit because he seems to prefer the dark side. Uh, you know, he's a stormtrooper and a Darth Vader uh, fan and on Battlefront, he he likes Boba Fett. So thank goodness that Boba Fett's been redeemed a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but for for me, I've always been drawn to the Jedi. So I went. Uh, uh, so for me, faith has always played an important part in my life. I went to Bible school uh, in all that kind of stuff. And to me, the Jedi is the side that ties into that idea, the idea of faith, the idea of hope. The idea of um, believing in something that connects us as people. Um, so, I when I saw them doing stuff like so when Rogue One came out, Rogue One actually ended up being one of my favorite movies, and I was not expecting that at all because I knew there was like no Jedi in Rogue One, and I was like, "There's no way I can like Rogue One. There's no Jedi, man." And uh, you know, as I've started reading books, I've really liked some of the books that don't have as much of a connection to the Jedi. Obviously. The Mandalorian has had some connection, but it's really focused on other aspects of the world. But uh, I want more of the Jedi. And I got to say, I'm really excited about getting more of the Jedi without the Skywalkers, even though I love Luke and Anakin 
and Leia and all of the Skywalkers. I want to learn about Jedi that are not Skywalkers. It's like, um, oh, what was, uh, was it Master and Apprentice, the Qui-Gon and, and Obi-Wan book? Um, yeah. yeah. Love that book, even though they're somewhat connected. But it was just so neat to have like a full story about a Jedi learning to have a relationship with his master and learning his way in the force and all of that. And it not be centered around Luke or Anakin or even Ray. So I'm, I'm all for that. And, and I'll say this too, and this may be getting a little bit ahead. So let me know if, if I am, but um, I, I sent you a message earlier today, this morning I was watching a star Wars explained video on YouTube, which I want to just give props to Alex and Molly Damon because I think they put out great material on YouTube where they're talking about Star Wars. Um, and they were doing a question and answer, and one of the people asked the question, is the Knight Sisters magic more powerful than the Sith and the Jedi aspects of the Force? And they were really pulling specifically from stuff in um, Jedi Fallen Order when they asked that question because the Knight Sisters do some pretty amazing things in that. And, uh, and he, what he, what they said, one of the things they said is they talked about how they don't want to say that it's more powerful because the force is the force and the, the night sisters magic is kind of part of the dark side of the force. But, uh, it does show that there is a lot more that can be done with the force than what we've seen. And I think we saw some of that happen in the last Jedi and rise of Skywalker, uh, which some people had a problem with, um, but those people are wrong. And, uh, and uh, so I'm really <laughs> excited to see, uh, you know, this age when the Jedi are kind of at their peak, what kind of force things we might see happen that are beyond anything we've ever seen or experienced before. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and with that being said too, so the, the basic concept um, of the High Republic is that it takes place a couple hundred years before Phantom Menace, before the events that we know. Um, there's a lot of information out there that has been released. There's been chapters of the books. I want to put on record, I haven't read anything yet. I want to go in mostly spoiler free. But what we do know is that there's going to be a new villain called the Nile. They're going to be the primary villain. So it's not Jedi so far, not Jedi fighting Sith. That, that may come and we'll talk about that. But right now it's, it's the Nile. Um, who are like kind of set up as space Vikings. Um, one of the the great quotes that was in that um, kind of launch video was the Nile live by a code of you can't take it with you, but we can take it from you, which I think is interesting. Kind of that, that, that lack of moral code, because even Sith kind of have their own twisted moral code, but the Jedi fighting Vikings or, or fighting pirates or something like that with, with who have no moral code and are just set on destruction and uh, their own, um, you know, benefit is so opposite of what the Jedi believes is. And I think maybe that just diving ahead, maybe that's what scared the Jedi people that they can't, they can't understand or a group that they, that they, that they don't, you know, it doesn't make sense to them that this, these people live with no moral code where the Jedi are, are so, uh, you know, with their own moral code. So I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, and maybe that'll be a theme that carries over, right? That's a big theme in the prequel trilogy about are the Jedi too, too tied to their moral code. So looking forward to seeing how they dive deep into that. And then we know that the, the, the High Republic kind of kicks off something called the Great Disaster. Um, and I don't know too much about it. I know it involves uh, Starlight Beacon, which is where we get the name of this from, um, which is a space station um, and that's about the event that I know so far about where we're going with the High Republic. I, I've not read too much of the, the stuff released. I'm waiting to get my the novels when they come out. Um, and I'll dive into those unless you have anything else to add, Brian. Uh, you're going to dive into what? I'm sorry. I'm going to dive into the, the titles that are released unless you have any other comments about the, the Nile or anything like that. No, except for I will say, since we named ourselves Starlight Beacon, uh, Lego, if you happen to watch this, we're going to need a Lego Starlight Beacon as soon as possible. Something that we can put, you know, in the background here uh, to, to uh, you know, encourage us. Yeah, absolutely. I just got the Razor Crest Lego and I'm looking forward to diving into that soon. So, sure. So the High Republic kind of publishing initiative starts uh, 
January 5th, which uh, it's been, it was delayed. I was supposed to start last summer, but I'm actually kind of happy. You know, Mandalorian's over now. We don't have much going on until I think Bad Batch might be the next thing in Star Wars. So now we really can focus on on some of the Star Wars novels and comics coming out. So first book um, comes to us from Charles Soule. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And it's called The Light of the Jedi. That's the first book, right? Yes. Yes, Light of the Jedi. And that's the adult novel book coming out. Um, it's got a really cool cover. When I saw this cover, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, because it has a Wookiee with a uh, kind of the Kylo Renish lightsaber on there, which is really cool. Um, and I'm really excited for that. They've already released some of the chapters online for this book. But like I said, I haven't read them yet. I'm looking forward to diving into the entire book when it comes out. So that comes out Tuesday, January 5th. And then the other book released in January 5th is... Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to add, um, there are actually three things releasing January 5th, I think. And, and I think you're going to hit on all three of them. But uh, yes. even though you could pick up any book from everything that we've heard, Light of the Jedi is the one you need to start with. Light of the Jedi is what really kicks everything off. And the other works kind of rely on Light of the Jedi, even though they're releasing the same day. So just kind of a heads up, if you're trying to figure out where to start, that's where you need to start, even though you probably want to pick up all three books and jump in. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and that's how we're going to cover it, too. We're going to go, we're going to start with Light of the Jedi as the first book that we review. I'm wondering, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they do this. Like, like you said, Light of the Jedi is probably the kickoff point, but like, how is everything going to tie together? I, from what I understand, the, the characters are going to be different for the most part, at least come some of the early books. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they tie together and how they reference each other, which going back to what we talked about earlier is like the coolest thing about Star Wars. You have this interconnected universe where you could probably pick up any book and enjoy it on its own, but reading them as a whole is going to be a better, uh, better and more fulfilling for you. Um, my, so my guess book, is uh, released in January 5th is good. Go ahead. I'm sorry. My, my guess is too, that, um, the, the reason light of the Jedi is probably the one we need to read first is I think it's probably the one that's going to cover the great disaster the most. And so that, since that's sort of the catalyst for everything else, that's probably why that's the one we need first speculation, but yeah. Yeah. I, I would think so too. Um, then next up releasing January, we have a test of courage by Justina Ireland. Um, and that's a middle grade novel. Um, excited for that. From what it looks like on the cover, it looks like we have a couple Jedi and some robots in a jungle. That looks really cool. I'm all on board with that. And like we said, some of those middle grade readers or YA books have been really fun and really fulfilling. Um, I think Justina Ireland wrote Lando's Luck, which is one of my favorite books of the new canon. Um, it's a super fun book. So um, you got to learn about me. I am all about the fun, quirky weirdness of Star Wars. So that. Brian said he likes the Jedi. I'm drawn to like the, the weird nonsense. I like that stuff. So probably why Last Jedi is my favorite movie. Um, and, and then we have the two comic I, books. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just want to jump in real quick for a second on Justine Ireland. She also wrote Spark of the, uh, Spark of the Resistance, uh, which was uh, uh, came out yes. before the, the Rise of the Skywalker, I believe. Um, but um, she also, and, and though this isn't Star Wars, because I think she's written mostly middle grade books for Star Wars. She is going to eventually, and we'll probably get to this, but she's going to eventually write a YA book. Um, she's written some YA books uh, that are really fun. Uh, she wrote a book called Dread Nation, which is set during the Civil War. And it's basically like uh, at the Battle of Gettysburg, excuse me, one day all the, uh, the dead on the battlefield rise up as zombies. And the black and Native American people are forced into subservience to learn to be zombie killers, basically. And uh, so it's sort of a sci-fi, Civil War, historical, zombie-killing book. And it was really good. I mean, enjoyable. Also had some you know deep things to say about society and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, but so I think that she's someone that Star Wars people maybe have just a little knowledge of and enjoy, but they're going to get a lot more goodness from her as we go forward. So she's someone to look out for, I think. That's awesome. That sounds really cool. And I'm going to read that. So thank you for that recommendation. Um, and then we also have comic books launching um, on January 5th. And this I find really interesting as someone who really cover, who really enjoys just comic books in general, but Star Wars comics specifically. 
We have Marvel will be doing the main Star Wars, the High Republic line. So um, Marvel obviously is owned by Disney. Star Wars owned by Disney. So um, once Disney bought Star Wars, they moved all of their comic book publishing to Marvel. And they've been doing some really excellent stuff. Can't recommend the Dr. Aphra uh, comics enough. Can't recommend the Podameron comics enough. The main Star Wars line is great. There's some terrific Darth Vader stuff. So just in general, um, Star Wars comics by Marvel have been excellent. Um, so that's exciting. But also we have uh, Star Wars The High Republic Adventures, which is going to be published by IDW. And IDW and Marvel have had a, a pretty close relationship. I don't know the actual like business relationship there, but I know that they've published some books in the Marvel Universe um, for more like that YA audience. Um, and some Star Wars adventure books, I think, are published by IDW also. So if I had to guess, the adventure books are going to be more um, anthology and more kind of hard and, and YA focused, whereas the Marvel mainline is probably going to be a little bit more serious in tone. Yeah, and I would I would actually say I think the IDW is going to be geared even younger than YA. It's going to be geared for, for children to have a connecting point. Um, it's going to be, in, in my opinion, kind of like the... Uh, um, was it Force, Forces of Destiny cartoon series, or um, yes, or like uh, for for Marvel? Marvel has Marvel Rising. Um, you know, it's a way to really connect the youngest readers into Star Wars and to love it. And um, but I do want to say, and I don't know if you've read this or not, because I just was was on StarWars.com the other day, and it looked like that series may have been postponed to February twenty first. So we. Just a heads up, it could be coming out January 5th at the latest February 21st. Um, I don't know if you saw anything about that. No, that's a good call. I didn't, but good to know. There's one other book coming out on the 5th, and this is the one I'm going to be the most excited about because it is a, I don't, a children's book, straight up kids book, right? Um, I don't know the age recommendation on there, but the cover says includes stickers. So we're looking probably skewing pretty young. And that's The Great Jedi Rescue by uh, Kevin Scott. Um, as someone with a, a newborn who I read Star Wars books to all the time, whether she understands them or not. Um, and I know, Brian, you have kids as well. I'm really excited for this book. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm really, this, for me, this will be something new because I haven't read that much children's Star Wars material. I've read the middle grade YA and above. And, and I definitely think this is children's, like you said. And I think that, um, uh, you know, other than like the five-minute stories compilations, I haven't really read anything that, that skews that young. Um, and so I think this will be good. And it'll be a good way to get my, I think, my son, um, who's who loves to read, this will be a good connecting point for him with Star Wars as well. In fact, he might, when he gets into reading it, he might want to jump up a little bit older, but it'll be a good way to start him. Yeah, and as you discussed before, I love that they have that multifaceted approach to to publishing, and especially with something new where we're we're rolling out a whole new era, all new characters. Like, let's hit everybody on every um, on every level. Uh, and you don't have to read every probably every book, but for completionists and nerds like us, we're we're going to do that, and um, I'm excited for that. Uh, moving on, so that's what's coming out in January, and good call on the IDW that might be um, delayed, but still worth covering. And then the other book coming out is and another one. I, I'm excited for all these, but Claudia Gray mentioned her name more than anything else on this call, on this uh, episode so far, and she's coming out with Into the Dark, which I believe is February second. Um, which thankfully they give us a little bit of a month of reprieve because I don't know if I could handle all those books all at once. I, I would probably just call off of work for a while. So. Into the Dark in February, February 2nd from Claudia Gray. That's going to be the, the YA book um, launch, at, with launch. And uh, if you guys don't know Claudia Gray, she's written Master and Apprentice, as you mentioned. She wrote Lost Stars, um, the Leia of Alderaan book, and Bloodline. So I believe that's all the ones she's done so far for Star Wars. And that's four for four, probably some of the best Star Wars literature that's ever been written. She had, She understands the tone of Star Wars. She adds to the canon. She just does a terrific, terrific job fleshing out uh, the Star Wars universe. And, and for my money, is the best author working in Star Wars right now. So I am excited for Into the Dark. Yeah, to totally agree. In fact, uh, I, one of the podcasts I always listen to, they always joke around like, let's let's get them on the pod. So, you know, we're going to, Claudia, you know, call us. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're ready for you. But I, but I will also say, I didn't think about this, and I probably should have before, but it's very interesting that sort of the first book that we get 
in the new line of, of uh, the High Republic, and then the last one in this launch, this sort of juxtaposition of titles. We've got Light of the Jedi and Into the Dark. And so I'm, I don't know if there will be anything mm. there, but to me, that's an interesting connection. And I'd be, I'm, I'm interested to see if there's a, maybe a purpose why they said this one needs to be the first in the launch and this one needs to be the last. That's why I'm happy we're doing this podcast together because I'm happy you picked up on that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think there's going to be something there. And it just seems like um, it's it's kind of a building momentum there because then you look at look ahead to um, the next adult reader coming out in June is called The Rising Storm. So we're definitely going from, uh, you're starting at Light of the Jedi to Into the Dark to The Rising Storm. Stuff's going to go bad real quick is what my guess is. Yeah, and that one's by Kavan Scott, right? Which I, I think that's how you pronounce yeah, the first yeah. name. So Kavan Scott is writing... Okay, yeah. So he's writing the um, the 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 children's book and then jumping into that, which is really cool too, right? So you have authors who are kind of jumping around in genres. Kevin so Scott's writing the the children's book that we just talked about, Great Jedi Rescue, I believe, and then is writing the second adult novel. Which, like, all right, this is cool. So now you know that these authors are so bought into this this project as well, which I'm excited for. And and the book after that, which I don't, you you can I'll let you mention the date, but the the book after that is a. Uh, an unnamed second middle grade book by Daniel Jose Older. And he's known for doing, um, we, so I work in a high school library. Well, I, I work in a high school teaching English, but I spend a lot of time in the library um, working with the library staff as well. And um, he's done some great YA books that we have. So again, another author who's written YA, he's writing our, um, he's writing our, our uh, sort of more children oriented comic book series. And then he's going to come back and write a middle grade novel uh, too. So definitely that jumping around that you're talking about. Yeah, um, that's looking at July 6, 2021. And then Justina Ireland is going to be putting out, and there's no details on this yet, a, uh, another novel on August 3rd, 2021. So we are just being flat in the face with High Republic content, um, you know, in the winter. And then it looks like in the summer this year so. That's extremely exciting. Um, just wanted to real quick also touch on, there's another book, um, which I don't know about this, is coming out just in China. So it's a Chinese language ebook called The Vow of Silver Dawn. So um, only being released in China to kind of build that audience there. If you follow like box offices and, and international uh, you know, media like that, Star Wars doesn't have the biggest footprint in China. Um, Force Awakens did well, but I don't think any of the other movies really did. Uh, Rogue One did as well, but none of the other movies did financially as well as they did in other countries. So I think Lucasfilm and Disney are really trying to to cater that market. Obviously, it's a, it's a huge um, population there and, and trying to get Star Wars as part of their pop culture. So Vow of the Silver Dawn is coming out as a Chinese language exclusive ebook um, sometime this year. I'm willing to bet that'll probably make its way into, into translation at some point, but um, it's cool that they have that. Um, and we'll, if we don't ever get to cover it, we can at least read the Wikipedia summary and, and talk about that. And then there's the, the Acolyte. So during the really cool, um, Disney's going to throw everything that we're doing for Star Wars for the next date at you, um, conference call. Um, they announced that there's the Acolyte co uh, coming, which is a series written by Leslie Headland, who runs the Netflix show Russian Doll, which I haven't watched yet, but I've been meaning to. And it just says that it's a mystery thriller. Uh, about emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic. And I have a theory on where that's going to go, but we'll talk about that kind of with our, our hopes and dreams for the High Republic. So that's everything we have announced so far, which it, I, I say everything, like like to belittle it. No, there's a lot of content coming our way, and I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, and I would say, too, there's uh, two other things that we know about the Acolyte. One one is that uh, it's going to have a female protagonist. Um which I was just reading about that recently. And the, the, the person, you know, uh, Leslie Hedlund that you were talking about, I believe she, she was talking about, you know, just some people, I guess were already causing a little bit of a stir about the fact that there's a female protagonist. And she was like, look, I like, I, I'm all for diversity. I, I like books that have male protagonists and female protagonists. It doesn't matter what the gender is. You should come and enjoy the story. Um, so We've got a female protagonist. And then the other thing is that one of the people helping produce it has been involved in a lot of other Star Wars projects, um, which was like 
Um, I think Rebels was one of the things. Uh, they helped with some of the movies. They've. Do you know who I'm talking about? I do, and I don't. I don't remember the name. It's is it Doug Chang? Maybe I don't know if it's Chang, but uh, it's it's somebody that's in the Lucasfilm story group. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can find it while we're sitting which, here. Which that seems to be. Sure, and that seems to be what they're doing a lot with these shows, which is kind of cool, right? So they're taking a Hollywood creative person who has a passion for Star Wars, and then marrying them up with um, with someone who is on the Lucasfilm Story Group. And if you don't know what the Lucasfilm Story Group is, that's kind of the the dream job. But the, the keepers of canon, they kind of make sure everything flows well together and is appealing to the audience. So a uh, perfect example is The Mandalorian. They obviously took John Favreau, who's a, a Hollywood director. And, and partnered up with Dave Filoni, who's, you know, the face of that Lucasfilm story group. So they're getting people who are passionate about Star Wars and want to create in that sandbox and mixing them with people who are in the story group to make sure that everything fits. So to, to your point, that seems to be what they're doing with the Acolyte too. So this is, it's Rain Roberts, who's going to be the creative executive. Um, she's a creative executive for Lucasfilms. I'm reading from Wikipedia here, um, but she's a creative executive for Lucasfilm yeah. and member of the Lucasfilm story group, like you said. Uh, she was involved in the production of The Force Awakens, Rogue One, uh, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, Solo, The Rise of Skywalker, and Star Wars Rebels. So she's been a part of the whole new trilogy and Rebels, and uh, so she and, and with Rogue One and Solo as well. So um, basically, since Disney. That's awesome, right? So I like all those things and mixing that with, with a good Hollywood director and creative person, I, I couldn't be more excited. When they when they announced like uh, all the upcoming projects coming up for, for Star Wars, the Acolyte was right there at the top of my list of, of things that I'm excited for. I'm excited for everything, obviously, and I'll, I'll devour everything, but a time period in a show that's mysterious that we don't know anything about, sign me up. Like, you know, I wanna see what Cassian Andor is up to and what Obi-Wan Kenobi are up to, that's awesome. But their story's already been told a little bit. I wanna hear some stories that I don't know anything about. And that's really cool. Um, I guess that, that'll lead us to our kind of our last thing we wanna talk about today um, is what we, what our expectations and what we wanna see from the High Republic or any, any theories. And I, I don't like to go too much into theorizing cause that's when, um, that's when sometimes you can get, uh, you can get let down. And I think that's what we saw a lot with the backlash to the sequel trilogy. People were so theorizing. And when it didn't turn out the way they want it, they got let down. I'm not like that. I don't know about you, Brian, but I'll theorize it. If it's something else, I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm on board with it. Um, you know, I'm not a creative person at Star Wars, so I don't get to say what happens. I just get to sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. So, and I think that like one thing I want to say too, we, we, we talked about this a little bit one-on-one. -on -one. Star Wars fans are both the greatest thing in the world and they can also be the most problematic at times. And we say that as Star Wars fans, like uh, um, <laughs> there's um, a, a wonderful uh, to some, maybe also problematic movie called Fanboys that deals with a little bit of that as well. But the, uh, the you know, I, like when The Last Jedi came out, there were people that had these massive issues with the last Jedi. And I remember one of my favorite things I've ever seen on Twitter. And we were just talking about how sometimes Twitter is, is uh, evil, you know, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but one of the, one of the things I remember seeing on Twitter and absolutely loving it is this, I, uh, somebody was complaining about sort of the last thing with Luke, you know, what Luke did in, in the finale. And although I, I'm sure we're going to talk about spoilers when we talk about all this stuff, I'll just leave it at that. You know what I'm talking about? If you've seen the movie, but the, uh, they were saying Luke can't do that. It was, you know, he, he well, I'm guessing I'm going to have to talk about, it. you know, Luke can't project himself across, you know, and, and fight and combat or whatever. And uh, Rain Wilson posted on, on uh, not Rain Wilson, sorry, wrong, wrong uh, person, uh, Ryan Johnson. There we go. Uh, same letters in their first name. So mm -hmm. clearly they're connected. <laughs> but Ryan Johnson just posted a picture of his bookshelves. And then a picture a little closer in his bookshelves and then a picture a little closer and you saw like all his Star Wars books. And then he shows this sort of Jedi handbook, you know, which is a, res a resource book you can buy and he has it open. And then he shows a picture of the page where it shows that you absolutely can do that. And it's officially canon. And then he posts the meme of Homer, like fading back into the bushes. <laughs> and <laughs> I love Ryan Johnson. And it, it, um, yeah, I think that's, it, that's a good point. 
sorry, sorry, got a little bit of lag here, but it, it made me laugh so hard and it made me appreciate that the people who are making these choices are not just arbitrarily saying this is what's going to happen. They're really putting time and effort into looking to see, is this possible in the Star Wars universe? And that's part of what's so great about this, the, the Lucasfilm story group too, is you have people like Dave Filoni, who are just an unbelievable font of knowledge, who will look at you and as much as they may want to see the thing that you want to do, they're like, nope, can't do it. It doesn't happen. And, uh, and so they're kind of drawing the line there. So going into the High Republic, there's so many things to look forward to, and, and obviously we're about to get into that. But I'm not, I'm there, there's no, nothing that they're going to do that I'm going to be mad about. Probably, I mean, I say that you know, knock on wood, but because they're really putting effort and work into creating stories that both honor the fans and honor the the world. Absolutely, um, you and I are, are totally aligned on that. Um, and that leads me to, I guess we'll go back and forth. The first thing that I'm kind of looking forward to is, it's kind of contradictory. Um, I would like it to, I'd like it to stand on its own as a piece of, of media and as a story. So kind of be an independent thing. We've seen that with the Mandalorian and then it's kind of starts to branch into the bigger story. They're telling us this is going to be separate from the Skywalker saga. And I'd like it to kind of stay that way to a certain point. And, and what I mean by that is I'd like there to be maybe those hints that little that little sprinkling of of easter eggs that we know or some like foreshadowing that we might know about um that's that's kind of what i want the high republic to be i want it to be its own own standalone story within the star wars universe but with that said also i think and this is my my one theory i'm gonna throw out there it's going to be an independent thing that eventually sets and is going to end in a familiar place um and we could talk about this and i might be so off base but i'm going to make this prediction to you right now at um you know at my time 4 30 in the afternoon um i think we are heading towards darth darth plagueis i think that's where the end game of high republic is and i think that's how it's going to tie together with the skywalker saga um so my first i'm sorry i went i talked for a while but my first kind of uh, hope is that it's an independent project that has that little tie. And I think that's probably what the acolyte is going to be is Darth Plagueis uh, story. Um, any, any thoughts on that, Brian, or, or we'll just throw it over to what you're thinking about and what you're looking forward to. Well, first of all, I'll say I haven't read any legends material at all. So anything before Disney owns Star Wars, I haven't read it. Okay. I'm familiar with Dark Plagueis uh, just because you can't be a Star Wars fan, Star Wars fan, and not hear. Have you heard the story of Darth Plagueis? <laughs> you know, um, but <laughs> right. The uh, but aside from so, I would love for it to go. We're going to have some tie-ins for sure. We know Yoda's a character, and so right there, there's a connection to the whole Skywalker saga. Um, again, you know. But this is a much younger Yoda, which what does that even mean? Because he's like eternal almost, you know, um, are we going to see there's fan art out there that you, you even sent me of Yoda looking like a young samurai, like, you know, uh, and, and ripped. Um, <laughs> well, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I just want a great story. I, I, I'm cool if it connects. Uh, it's going to it's going to have to connect some just because the universe and the world building, um, you know, will we talk about midi-chlorians? <laughs> Maybe, um, you know. Will we, will, mm -hmm. but, but getting that sense of the force and, and, and Yoda and stuff like that. Um, I, I just want to, I just want a good story, man. You know, one of the things that I'm looking for, I already talked a little bit about what I'm looking forward to the most, which is just more of the Jedi and what they're capable of. Um, and, and, you know, the idea of the Jedi, it's a very idyllic thing. Like, you know, we, we, we believe in the best possible scenario kind of thing. And that's what we're working towards. But we also see as the stories go on about how that can become corrupted, not just by, you know, the Sith, but even the times where the council doesn't agree with one another because they're like, you're not acting when you need to act or you're acting when you should be standing back. You know, anybody that has a position that where they're a protector or whatever has to toe that line of choosing to act or not act. And that's and that's complicated. But the other thing that I'm looking forward to related to this too is that, uh, and they've talked about this a little bit, that sort of 
and I don't know how connected it'll be, but they've sort of thought of it a lot in the terms of like uh, the King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table in a way, that that's the era of the Jedi. And as uh, an English teacher and a librarian, uh, Arthurian legend is something that is wonderful and deeply connected to a lot of fantastic fantasy. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes too. Yeah, I, I had that in my notes and I forgot to mention it, but that is one of the ways they describe it, like Jedi Knights of the Round Table. And that, I mean, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Um, you just talked about like, this is this is Jedi um, at the height of their, I keep saying at the height of their powers. When we see the Jedi Council in, in the prequel trilogy, it's a broken Jedi Council. And I don't know if a lot of people take the time to look at that and think about that, like, they think of these of the Jedi in the prequel that presented as you know the Battle of Geonosis Jedi, right? The, the Jedi's who are just flippity floopity and 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 at war and are commanders with the clones. Um, that's not really what the Jedi Council set out to be. And it, if you look at the Jedi Council and Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and, and Revenge of the Sith, there's there's some dissension there, and there's um, there's some issues there that are that actually let Sidious uh, and Pal slash Palpatine kind of take over and sneak up right beneath their noses. And that's kind of what the whole concept of the Phantom Menace is. I wanna see, how did we get there? How did we get from these all powerful Jedi who are the guards of peace and justice to kind of this broken Jedi system that we got in the prequels um, led by Yoda. You know, Yoda was a big part of that and led by Mace Windu who is a really a favorite but is kind of kind of a jerk sometimes. And um, I'm, I'm interested to see how we get there. And if we touch on that, that would be kind of Um, the other, the other thing that I was really looking forward to is, and this is just canon nerd stuff, is the exploration of the unknown regions. So in a lot of the Star Wars books and comics, they've talked about this, this unknown regions, this area where Palpatine was even exploring it. That's where Thrawn is in the, some of the Thrawn books and, and the Chaos Rising book, uh, the first one. He's out in the unknown regions, the Chiss Ascendancy. It's where Exegol is in the Rise of Skywalker. So this kind of area that's untouched by the galaxy, untouched by the Empire, um, they reference it a lot in a lot of Star Wars media, but we haven't got a clear picture of it. I hope we dive deeper into that, because to me, that's that's even more fascinating. That's, that's stuff like they don't know who the Jedi are. They don't know what the Empire is or any of that stuff. To me, that's really neat. Yeah, and I think maybe my last thing that I'll I'll throw out there as far as what I'm looking forward to as well is, um, and this kind of ties into what you said, and actually it, it, it's something that just dawned on me while you were saying it, and so it could be nothing. You know, right now it could just be a perception um, that will be d decimated when I read the books. But it's interesting when you look at the coloring in the books, on the, on the covers of the books and stuff like that, and our first book is called The Light of the Jedi, and you talk about the council being something that's broken by the time we get to the prequels. If you look at the coloring of like their wardrobe, um, they're wearing like lighter browns and more white and stuff like that. And as we get into the, the, the prequel trilogy, their robes have become this much darker brown. And it, again, could be nothing. But as an English teacher, um, and I often talk to my students about how like when we analyze literature, we don't analyze literature. To, we don't want to analyze it to death. But when you love literature and you talk about it, sometimes these things will stand out to you and you're like, oh, that's really amazing. Was that intentional? Was it not intentional? I've, I've, there's a, a really famous um, back in the 60s or 70s, there was a student who uh, wrote 66 um famous authors and asked them if the symbolism in their literature was intentional or not. And, um, and uh, Ray Bradbury wrote him back and said that symbolism was a subconscious exercise, that it's something that we don't do on purpose. It sort of comes through on accident. And so that opens it up to what, like, you can see more symbols than I intended in the book. So maybe that's a, a case of me seeing something that we don't intend, but a lot of time coloring is significant, um, especially you look at like the old Westerns where you have like the white hat and the black hat, you know, and that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm wondering if there's sort of a representation of the Jedi when they were more pure. And so the colors are a little bit brighter in the high Republic. And then the Jedi as they're broken, when we get into 
the, uh, the, the prequel trilogy. And then of course you have this sort of continuance of that when you get to the Sith who wear primarily like blacks and dark browns and that kind of color. So. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's, I'm happy that you noticed that because I didn't notice that. And that's going to be, I'm looking forward to just hearing more of your uh, analysis on these things. That's cool. Um, and then the last thing I, I wanted, just because I wanted to touch on it, is can you please make a new cartoon show? Like, I love every Star Wars cartoon that's ever been out. They're fun. Um, if you guys haven't watched them, obviously Clone Wars and Rebels are excellent. Resistance is solid. And the Lego Freemaker Adventures is hilarious. Like, just really funny Star Wars stuff there. So it's on Disney+. Plus. Check it out. But I hope that we get a cartoon series based in the High Republic. I would just be over the moon about that. It would be super fun. Um, and maybe, you know, Dave Filoni knows how to do cartoons pretty well. So let's see if he wants to take a crack at it. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. It's interesting. We, like you mentioned, the next thing we're going to get is the bad batch, which is obviously already tied to a previous cartoon cartoon. Um, but there's this cartoon series coming out called visions mm -hmm. that we don't know much about. It's an animated series. And, um, I, something about the way they described it to me made me think of like Batman Gotham Knights or the Animatrix where it's like a lot of different types of animators kind of giving their take at a short story. Um, and I don't know if that's what they're aiming for. Uh, that may not be it at all. Maybe that's just, again, my perception. But I remember thinking those were really cool because in one episode you would have, you know, an animated short that was like sort of in the styling of, um, oh, shoot, what is that up? Uh, old M Aeon Flux, that old MTV animated uh, show. Yep, yep. Um, and then the next one you would have might be more in the style of like, uh, I don't know, you know, traditional American cartoon or whatever. So I don't know what Visions is going to be, but it'd be interesting if there'd be some sort of connection to the higher public in that, which we'll see. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I'm looking forward to is January 5th because it's going to be like Star Wars Christmas morning. I'm going to have my three news, the, uh, the middle grade reader, the adult book and the children's book. I'm going to have at least one new comic book and I'm going to be so excited. So, uh, I think that's, that's pretty much a good ending point for us for today. Um, we're going to be doing these episodes. I think our schedule is bi-weekly, um, giving us some time to, this first week is going to be tough to try and catch up with Light of the Jedi, so we, we'll try and get on, on pace with that. But after that, we're going to give ourselves uh, at least a month to read each book and in between focus on some comics, focus on some other High Republic news. Just because we're 90% of the time we focus on High Republic doesn't mean we're also not going to comment on, on shows that are out there, other comics, other Star Wars news. Maybe when Bad Batch launches, we'll talk about that because I think ultimately both of us have said that while we think High Republic is going to be an independent entity, it's still going to have ties to some of the other comics and novels and TV shows that are coming. So a uh, really exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. Yeah, super excited about all of this stuff for sure. And I'm I'm going to do my best to keep up. For, you know, we're we are living in a uh, still in a covid world and uh, we are uh, all just doing our best to make it, you know, day by day. And uh, so I know for me being a teacher, teaching online has been uh, both online and face-to-face -face at the same time has been something very different this year. That's required a little bit of extra time. It's going to feel nice to come home in the evening and unwind with a new Star Wars book and, uh, and, and, and let that be my, my uh, uh, rest, my relaxation. Excellent. All right. Um, Brian, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you again on social medias? Yeah, so you can look for me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. Uh, just search for The Rudy Librarian, and you'll find me. That's R-U-D-I-E, Librarian, uh, and you'll find me that way. And uh, uh, come check out all my book talks and my my uh, love for punk and ska. And uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my personal account, Gary Mastriano, M-A-S-T-R-I-A-N-O. And I play saxophone in the amazingly awesome, cool, best band in the world called the Backyard Superheroes. And you can find us on all social media. And you can find this show and follow us at Starlight Beacon Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we just launched that. So um, by the time this episode comes up, we'll have some more posts and some followers and all that, hopefully some followers um, by then. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to this project and um, looking forward to working with Brian. This should be cool. 
Yeah, Gary, let me throw one more thing out there. And I know that it was really uh, aimed a little bit more at the holiday season, but I just want to encourage some people to uh, look on um, Bandcamp as well for your the the compilation that you put together. Um, it's it's sort of a holiday compilation, but some of the songs are not strictly holiday as well. There's a fantastic cover of the song Holiday by, my, by Madonna by Half Past Two on there. Uh, Backyard <laughs> Superheroes have a great quarantine Christmas song on there. Um, but the money for that goes to charity. And you know what? There's never a time when we shouldn't uh, feel good about donating to a great charity like the, uh, the Marine Corps Toys for Tots. So even though it's not around the holiday season, it's a great time to pick up that album. I appreciate that, dude. That's really cool. Thank you. Um, and we'll talk more about, uh, you know, what each of us has going on throughout this podcast. But uh, for Brian, this is Gary. And thank you for listening to Starlight Beacon. And I guess, could we sign off with like, may the force be with you? Would that be nerdy? No, I think that's the <laughs> only way you, thing to do. There's no other way to sign off. Well, then may the force be with you.